welcome into the y'all show i'm john rawl and this is the show that covers everything about the south we're so glad that you could join us as we're doing things different these days we're all getting adjusted and we're glad that you might could find us maybe it's your first time joining us on this two-hour program that covers everything that goes on here in dixie if you'd like to get involved with the y'all show our number 803-816-1170 our website is yall.com and that is a website that has incredible information in fact speaking of y'all.com we encourage y'all to stick around of course throughout the whole show today but we're going to have a very special kind of a tease of what's at y'all.com right now in our very next segment and you'll want to make sure you stick around for that we've got some very helpful information that has some tips you'll learn things like how to deal with this new hashtag sweeping the world stay at home hashtag stay at home and you've got a lot of stay at home families and here at the y'all show we encourage you to stick around for that information that we'll be passing your way in a handful of minutes also we want to get outside and do some things right we've got thanks to clark shelton at y'all.com how to attract bees and butterflies now that'll get your mind off of this darn coronavirus that information will pass along in the next segment of this the y'all show also coming up in today's y'all show we encourage you to also make sure you tune in later this hour we got a very special guest we're going to go to memphis and we're going to get our blues and boogie woogie on and that's all because of victor wainwright he is a extremely talented singer and piano player he can tear those keys up and victor wainwright who has an upcoming project called memphis sound or rather memphis loud he's going to be on and you'll get a little example of his incredible talent. Here's a guy who started out in his career as a air traffic controller. He graduated from Embry-Riddle in Daytona Beach, a very prestigious college, and went into the air traffic control world. But after a couple of years, decided to go after his heart, and that was to be a musician. And Victor Wainwright has a great story and a great sound. And again, the upcoming record is Memphis Loud. We're not totally sure when it's coming out because this darn virus has kind of set everything off the track. But Victor Wainwright is going to be on in the at the end of this hour as part of our great tribute of Southern music in hour two of today's y'all show stick around for that because uh, stick around that's the motto of today's show stick around y'all we're going to have books on our mind and thanks to kirkus reviews they've come out with nine non-fiction books that we that will lift your spirits and we all need a little spirit boost and we'll have those nine books then we'll move over to another book for you to consider it may not be on kirkus reviews list but it's a great book and it's going to be an interview that we'll have with this author of this book called postgate and author john o'connor a successful lawyer a former federal prosecutor will be on in our second hour to talk about this book of which he went and interviewed and, and collaborated with it sounds crazy to say the word collaboration if you know who i'm talking about who we work with on this book he talked a deep throat he knew deep throat from the watergate era and this book postgate was about that and it's a fascinating read and it's definitely something that'll get your mind off of the covid 19 and that will be on in our second hour plus before we get out of here we'll have a quick look at some of the sec happenings as believe it or not alabama crimson tide football nick saban finally speaks 
on what's going on with the coronavirus. So we'll have info from the ball coach of the Crimson Tide, some Alabama basketball news as well. And then Georgia, my goodness, Georgia Bulldog fans, you're losing a player from your program, not to the NBA, but this guy's going to the enemy. He's going to the rambling wreck of Georgia Tech, the North Avenue Trade School. And they're getting a Georgia basketball player to transfer to Tech. And I'll tell you who that is as part of our SEC Spotlight. All that in our second hour. We are the Y'all Show, and you're welcome to catch us here at our website, y'all.com. And, of course, our number, 803-816-1170. You also can find us, and, and I just found out that if you are on Facebook and you want to start following our y'all.com on Facebook family, you don't need to hit like. You actually need to, I think the actual button you push is subscribe, and and you've got to subscribe, or, or rather, no, I'm sorry, it's follow. See, I'm going to get this stuff down. This COVID-19 mess has made us all have a little extra couple of seconds to go back and look at, and in fact, that's one thing we're doing right now, if you're able to catch us on the brand new facebook live stream let us know we want to hear from you if you got a question or comment we would love to hear from you we're gonna as we go to break we'll actually interact directly with that audience but we're going to roll out some new things here at y'all.com and the y'all show and and if y'all like what we're doing here let us know we we want to be a part of of your life as much as possible but yes if you go to facebook you gotta not hit like you can hit like just push that button but we really need y'all to follow y'all.com on facebook in fact we've got a brand new y'all show facebook page and we need you to follow that at the top of that thing just hit that little follow and you'll be set so anytime we have a y'all show specific post on facebook you'll be able to get that we also, as I said, need you to follow y'all.com on Facebook. We've got to grow our numbers and, and make this thing just get bigger and bigger and bigger every single day. Let's get into the headlines real quick before we move over later in the hour to our very special musical guest from Memphis, Tennessee, and that's Victor Wainwright. And as we start our headlines from across the southeast here today on today's Y'all Show, we will start off with the coronavirus and the latest with that, the numbers. As right now, we can kind of tell as of Wednesday, the total amount of cases hovering around 63,000 around the entire country, around 900 total deaths, sadly. And looking at the numbers, we know that New York, of course, has more cases than anybody, more deaths as well been a horrible scene there for governor cuomo and everybody in the state of new york these last week or two but new york with over thirty thousand coronavirus cases and then as you skip down there's a giant difference between new york state and its next next state in line sadly it's their neighbor across the hudson new jersey with 4400 coronavirus cases reported there california with 2600 cases and then when we come down the line it takes a while but louisiana which is i'm gonna guess about the ninth state now in terms of the numbers of coronavirus cases louisiana with almost 1800 positive tests of the coronavirus and sadly i think it's 65 residents of louisiana have lost their lives to this virus thus far it's been a horrible thing florida trails louisiana florida just shy of 1700 cases and 22 deaths georgia now around 1300 and these cases 
we still see, see states like Tennessee, Tennessee almost at a thousand cases. Good news for Tennessee, if there's any good news, only three deaths reported in the volunteer state. One of those deaths, by the way, was the brother of the current lieutenant governor of the state of Minnesota. I'm not sure how the lieutenant governor's brother ended up here, uh, ended up in the south and in Tennessee, but that's the case there. Texas has 1,100 cases as of Wednesday, and these numbers, again, likely to rise. It's not going to get better before it gets worse first. So let's all hope for the best here. Now, let me remind you that here at Y'all, we've got our pulse on everything coronavirus on our show that you're listening and watching. But also go to our website, y'all.com. We have continuing coverage of the coronavirus. But we have lots of other stuff, too. We know that life goes on, and and some of y'all just frankly are tired of hearing about it. And I don't blame you. Count me in in that bunch as well. Back into the headlines, and this is a coronavirus story that I'm going to relay. And it involves the death of a native Floridian as Tony-winning playwright Terrence McNally has died of the virus at age 81. He died at the Sarasota Memorial Hospital in his native Sunshine State. He was actually a native of, I think it was, I think he was from St. Petersburg, born in St. Petersburg, Florida in 1938 and passed away here as a result of the coronavirus at the age of 81. And McNally, who you might remember from plays like Love, Valor, Compassion and Masterclass, also known for the musicals Ragtime and Kiss of the Spider Woman has died at the age of 81, and that's one of the latest celebrities. I mean, good Lord, Prince Charles over there across the pond has tested positive for the coronavirus. It's it's an unusual thing we're seeing and a, and a scary thing as well. Now, here in the South, luckily, we hope that she's going to get through this just fine, but if you're a fan of this actress, and she's also been a country music singer at times, Laura Bell Bundy, a Kentuckian, has di- been diagnosed positive with COVID-19. She's from Lexington, Kentucky. She posted that she had the virus in an Instagram post on Wednesday. She looked perfectly fine. Of course, she's a, a very good-looking Kentuckian. And Kentucky, we hope all the best with Laura Bell Bundy as she's staying at home in quarantine, but she has t- tested positive amongst a lot of people who, of course, are coming down with this awful virus right now. Now, You might have heard about a coronavirus party that happened not far from where Laura Bell Bundy is, right there in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. And one of the attendees of that party has now been tested positive. Who would have ever thunk it? Yes, uh, that that story coming out of Kentucky, this coronavirus party. And sure enough, the governor, Andy Beshear of that state now, informs us that one of those party attendees has tested positive for the coronavirus. Wish them well, even though they were out to have a good time. And and that's uh, this is nothing to, to joke about, and that's why we take all these cases serious. One result of the virus outbreak has been egg prices. Egg sales increased forty four percent for the week ending March fourteenth, and compared to that was compared to a year ago. And as a result, you're seeing prices as Americans are stockpiling eggs. And our friend Jared Short was on the show earlier this week, and he told you how he had been over to about three different counties searching for, for eggs. He loves his eggs and wasn't able to get any. And so you're seeing egg prices go up. You're seeing, sadly, you're seeing egg, the quantity, go down. Wholesale egg prices have risen 180% since the beginning of this month, 
which, and that is according to Erner Byrie, a who publishes a daily benchmark for the egg industry. So if you're looking for some good scrambled eggs to get you through this time where people are staying inside a lot, unfortunately, if you're even able to get eggs, those prices are going to be going up soon. So thanks to our farmers, our great poultry farmers of the world who are out making these eggs even be an option for us here in this trying time. Angela Boswell, if you know that name, she is the East Tennessee woman, the grandmother of that toddler who was found dead a couple of weeks ago, Evelyn Boswell. And that grandmother, this has been a very, very strange case coming out of Kingsport, Tennessee. This week, the grandmother of Evelyn has been arrested for shoplifting in Kingsport, Tennessee. And we know that the Kingsport Police Department called her at the Walmart on Fort Henry Drive and there, Angela Boswell was cited for trust, uh, rather not for trust, for shoplifting. When officers arrived, loss prevention personnel at that Walmart had her in their custody, as well as another person, William McLeod. And they were actually a let go at the scene, but given a citation. But a, a, another incident of this family from East Tennessee in the news, this time not for the death of the grandchild, a sad, sad thing that a lot of national media covered here recently but now this grandmother cited for for shoplifting there at the walmart another walmart related story for us here on today's y'all show in north carolina a group of counterfeiters has been accused of impersonating walmart corporate executives and and then scamming multiple stores in a bunch of states and they scammed them out of almost a million dollars nine hundred thousand dollars to be exact according to court documents and one of the people found in this was Andre Marquise White, and he's pleaded not guilty. He's 34 years old, pleaded not guilty again to this being a part of a group impersonating Walmart executives and scamming these stores around the South out of almost a million dollars. The counterfeiters would use checks to purchase prepaid Walmart debit cards, then use the cards to then buy merchandise that they would later return for cash pretty smart but they got busted and you're not gonna you're not gonna outsmart wally world anytime soon now to the georgia and a speaking of a a crazy story here in today's crazy times a postal worker in the state of georgia is now in custody and accused of running over a woman with her mail truck and then lying about it and this happened in woodstock georgia the cherokee county sheriff's office said 38 year old janie underwood who lives in Ackworth, Georgia, arrested on charges of improper backing, failure to exercise due care, and giving false statements to authorities about this incident that happened back on March 18th. Bond set for her at $3,452. There you have it. A mail carrier alleged to be hitting a woman with her, I guess her mail truck there, in Woodstock and Ackworth, Georgia, to the north of Atlanta. A sad passage to tell you about today, 92-year-old Bill Brom has died. Mr. Brom, the founder of Brom's Ice Cream and Hamburger Joint that you'll find in states like Arkansas, Texas, and Oklahoma, and in other states too. He died Monday of this week at his home in Tuttle, Oklahoma, and there's nearly 300 Brom's Ice Cream and Dairy stores around. They have a, a very unique way of operating. Brom's, which is unbelievably good with their ice cream and their other food they don't operate out of a certain radius 
from i think it's oklahoma city so if you're not familiar with brahms it's because you don't live close enough to oklahoma city and and oklahoma specifically but he started this chain in 1968 and i think he started with 22 oklahoma stores and now this has branched out to more than 300 brahms stores and when you go in there you can get your burger and ice cream but they have a whole nother thing that looks kind of like a a gas station but it's full of all kinds of brahms branded product ice cream ice cream sandwiches and just a mixture of all kind of food items it's it's really worth seeing especially if you ever get out in that part of the world of the south check it out now if you love movies and you want to do something different in this coronavirus time that we live in uh, the annapolis film festival was supposed to be going on right now in annapolis maryland but because of the virus people can't go to it so this is something that's not free but you can go to their film festival website at the annapolis film festival and actually register and take part in this film festival that's got dozens and dozens of movies more than 70 plus films are going to be in this year's film festival at the annapolis film festival and that includes some movies that in, that have pretty big names billy crystal's got a comedy called standing up falling down that's in this film festival also you can watch on a magical night which won best actress at cons that's just some of the many many movies that are currently available at the annapolis film festival that you can go right now and view if you if you have the opportunity it might be well worth it well worth it you can go to filmfestivalflix.com and get your tickets again this is not a freebie you gotta you gotta spend a few dollars to go to this virtual film festival but better than all the other options out there of just sitting on the couch right this is the y'all show we will be right back we're going to take a quick break come back with you and when we come back we'll have a little little sample what's going on at y'all.com clark shelton our editor has done an amazing job of putting stories that are relevant here in this crazy time and wacky time and we'll have a quick look at some of the y'all.com stuff and don't forget before the hour is up victor wainwright from memphis is going to join us and talk about memphis loud his forthcoming blues and boogie woogie album that's ahead right here on the y'all show If you're worried about your cholesterol, hear how others are taking charge with garlic. My doctor said my cholesterol was borderline, but I've been taking garlic and it works. I've been taking garlic for years. My pharmacist recommended garlic. He said there's an ingredient in garlic that helps maintain healthy cholesterol. I take garlic every day. No garlic breath. Lots of people like you are choosing garlic to help maintain a healthy cholesterol. Garlic, it's cholesterol's natural enemy. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Use as directed. Well, look who's home. How was your day, hon? Uh, you know, stressful, exhausting. Lie down on me and we'll talk about it. Oh, Purple Mattress, you know how to support me. Hey, I'm just a mattress doing my job. You're more than that. You're a Purple Mattress. Who cares about a bed with numbers when I have your Purple Grid to comfort my body's pressure points? And forget memory foam. Your non-toxic, hyper-elastic polymer minimizes heat, keeping me cool and comfortable the whole night through. If you're happy, I'm happy. But you do have up to 100 days to return me for a full refund and give up the best night's sleep i've had since i learned to walk no way you're the only one i want to come home to purple mattress spring into big savings with purple spring sale get a free set of purple sheets and a plush pillow when you purchase a purple hybrid or purple premier mattress when you text offer to 84888 that's keyword o-f-f-e-r to 84888 message and data rates may apply please do not text and drive see purple.com for terms and conditions Do you want to learn to speak a new language but don't have enough time? 
then you need to try Babbel, the language learning app that you can try for free right now at babbel.com. Babbel's lessons are just 15 minutes or less, and you can go at your own pace. You'll be amazed at how easy Babbel makes it. Start your first lesson in the language of your choice for free. Just download the Babbel app or go to babbel.com now. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com. Sun tea in the window, pocket watch, a telling time. Seems like only yesterday I'd get a blanket set, record the country countdown, cause I couldn't buy it yet. And we're back on Y'all Talk with an accent on all things Southern. I'm John Rawl, our number 803 816 1170. And also, you can find us on our website, y'all.com, the ultimate guide to the South. And speaking of y'all.com, y'all, use guys, yins. We have gone to the website right now, and as we're all trying to adjust for the first time in our lives, the idea of staying indoors, staying away from people, we need y'all.com to help us out in that mission. And Clark Shelton, the editor, and the rest of the staff at y'all.com are doing one heck of a job in that purpose and and we're going to go right now and give you a little a, a little sample of some of the many stories at y'all.com that you can go and enjoy right now to get you through the wackiness of covid19 and one thing he's put up is children's free faith-based app offers help to stay-at-home families so if you got the little ones running around and they're just sitting there playing video games if if they've already torn up the xbox or the playstation or whatever other apparatus that they're using these days. Minnow, which is a new Nashville-based children's digital media company, they've got one of the world's largest collections of classic veggie tales and an expertly curated collection of media choices for Christian families. They're responding to this whole coronavirus craziness, and so they're giving a free resource for families unable to physically attend church. Minnow's free church-at-home program It actually gives families an easy-to-use, home-based, digital Sunday school experience. So because of this, and frankly, let's be honest, because of now churches, even Catholic churches, the most so-called traditional churches you could possibly have going online, not all churches are doing it, but a lot of churches are, and they have this digital option now, there's no excuse to not go to church. We, we can't hide anymore. We can't say, oh, I was just too busy. I, I just couldn't make it into church. It was, it was the weather was bad. The traffic was bad. Now, coronavirus has proven that even churches, which depend on congregations to come and, and take part and, and pass the offering plate, they've, they've adapted. And maybe a lot of these churches going forward will find a way to, to, to thrive to thrive and, and maybe get money. In fact, I'm sure a lot of them have these ways you can give money. I think it's, uh, I forgot that little app or whatever it is, but there's ways that you can have like a digital virtual donation and and they can do that. So Minnow, you can go to our website, y'all.com, and learn a lot more about this story again about this Nashville-based company, M-I-N-N-O, and what they're doing to help kitties out with their 
free church at home. And again, what parents are saying about it, one parent wrote, thank you very much. We were watching church services live and my daughter was asking for a children's service. I was beyond delighted to receive such a timely email in my inbox. You have truly been a blessing during this time of pandemic. We will continue to use Minnow Church at Home daily while schools are closed. I don't have enough words to express how grateful I am for this ministry and can't wait to share this with others. God bless. That's just one of the many Minnow users. And again, kids can get involved. And more importantly, like I said, nobody can have the excuse of being too busy to go to church anymore. These people, according to this woman, her kids are going to Sunday school every day. It's like vacation Bible school now that real school's kind of taken a somewhat of a pause, although some of the school districts are trying to roll out these digital programs to have the kids learn that way. Let's move on to another y'all.com story real quick, and this will really get your mind off the coronavirus. As the Clark Sheldon's got up the article, How to Attract Bees and Butterflies. Do we really want to attract bees? Is that a smart thing? Well, actually, we need to have bees in our world, and we certainly need butterflies. According to the NRDC, there are some simple steps to attract bees and butterflies. Bees, that, bees need clover because instead of having the perfect lawn, if you have some clover patches, don't mow it. Let the bees come. You also need to know which plants will work best in your climate of the south and a little research will go a long way on that front. Also, plant something called uh, planting clumps rather than individual flowers or plants will make it easy for pollinators to find you. Also, mix it up, different shapes, colors, and heights of your flowers. And also, plant something called milkweed. This will attract monarch butterflies. So, Muhammad Ali would be proud of this story because I think he was a float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Well, Clark's got how to attract both bees and butterflies, and there's a lot more in this article that you can go and and read about and and learn how, again, thanks to y'all.com, you can be part of the growing movement of stories like these to get you out of the funk of the coronavirus. Well, that will wrap up this first hour of the Y'all Show. For this part, we've got Victor Wainwright stopping by in the next segment. And Victor, a blues and boogie-woogie artist, and he's going to be on to talk about his forthcoming project, Memphis Loud. And that'll be up next. And it's a fantastic conversation, so encourage you to stick around for that. And as we said, the theme of today's show is sticking around. Stick around, of course, for hour two. We've got some book information. We've got an author, John O'Connor, talking about his book, Postgate. And we'll have our SEC spotlight. What's going on with the Alabama Crimson Tide? Roll Tide. Hey, Alabama fans, don't be quiet. I know y'all want to get on social media and let us know about it. So hit us up on our The Y'all Show Facebook page right now and, and let us know that you're listening and watching the show all about the South. So all of that is coming up in hour two of The Y'all Show. Do you want to learn to speak a new language but don't have enough time? then you need to try Babbel, the language learning app that you can try for free right now at babbel.com. Babbel's lessons are just 15 minutes or less, and you can go at your own pace. You'll be amazed at how easy Babbel makes it. Start your first lesson in the language of your choice for free. Just download the Babbel app or go to babbel.com now. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com.
If you're worried about your cholesterol, hear how others are taking charge with garlic. My doctor said my cholesterol was borderline, but I've been taking garlic and it works. I've been taking garlic for years. My pharmacist recommended garlic. He said there's an ingredient in garlic that helps maintain healthy cholesterol. I take garlic every day. No garlic breath. Lots of people like you are choosing garlic to help maintain a healthy cholesterol. Garlic, it's cholesterol's natural enemy. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Use as directed. Wanted down a bill, he said, pay me back whenever you will. What day later, not a minute more. There he was with a knock on my door. He said, now don't forget about my money. And welcome back to the Y'all Show. John Rawl with you here. And we're all about the South here on the All Southern program we call Y'all. And we're going to go to Memphis Town. I guess we're going to go there. The forthcoming album for this next guest is called Memphis Loud. He's Victor Wainwright. He is a Grammy-nominated blues and boogie-woogie artist, and he's on with us right now on the Y'all Show. Welcome into the Y'all Show, Victor. Thank you, John. I really appreciate it, brother. I'm 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 looking forward to talking with you today. Well, I, I know that you've got the album Memphis Loud, and do, do you live in the Memphis area? I do, man. I've been living in Memphis for about 15 years. I was born and raised in Savannah, Georgia, so oh. I know all about y'all. Yes, you do. You're <laughs> right there on the coastal empire of Georgia, and you That's actually you actually kind of played off of your Savannah heritage, I think, early on with some of your, your nickname or something like that. That's right. The piano from Savannah. That's right. My <laughs> granddaddy, granddaddy gave me that name. That's right. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to learning a lot more. Again, we're talking with Victor Wainwright. Congratulations on the Grammy nomination. Oh, man. Thank you. That was literally a dream come true. You know, we were on the uh, legendary rhythm and blues cruise. We we parked uh, as soon as the boat, the, the cruise ship parked, we jumped on a plane and flew to the Grammys. And it was uh, definitely a, a lifetime experience, once in a lifetime experience. I mean, just unbelievable thing. I stood in line with guys like Weird Al Yankovic waiting on a hot dog. I mean, it's just really bizarre. <laughs> now, what was your exact nomination for? Contemporary Blues Album of the Year. Ah, okay. And, and that was for Victor Wainwright and the Train, uh, which was a self-titled, uh, our first release as that band. And you're a Grammy nominee, so I guess somebody else won. Who the heck beat you out? The Fantastic Negrito. And I, that would be the second time he won. And uh, <laughs> He had a great album out. There was a lot of good... Uh, good nominees that year uh you know so it's all right we just we went over there with uh not expecting anything just but but to live the experience and to and to celebrate with our friend danielle nicole and other nominees okay well you mentioned your grandfather and music and the style of music i think is a wainwright tradition tell me a little bit more about the wainwright musical background yeah, my grandfather played the piano, and um, my dad played the drums or guitar, depending on what he needed. My grandfather needed in the band at the time, so my dad played drums or guitar, and uh, my uncle played bass. And uh, man, we had a big—it's a big family affair. Um, everybody was involved, so I grew up right in the middle of it all, um, immediately carrying amps and pianos and guitars, whatever I could carry. 
uh, and eventually got into the business. Now they knew how hard the business was and, and actually, you know, they wanted me to have an education. So early on they told me, look, you know, we don't want you only playing music. We want you to decide on what you want to do decide on an education and get yourself a college degree. So, um, pretty early on, they, they said, do that. And I, they said, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I don't know why I picked this, but I said, I want to be an air traffic controller. So there started my journey from Savannah to Memphis. And it's kind of a long story, but to make it shorter, I went to school in one of the only places that you can go to be, to learn air traffic control. And that's in Daytona beach, Florida at Embry real aeronautical university. And after five years of being down there, um, the FAA called me and said, we're going to station you in Memphis, Tennessee. They kind of tell you where they're going to put you. And they just happened to say Memphis. So I said, sure, of course. And I ended up in Memphis. Now, needless, you know, as time went on, eventually I found myself torn between air traffic control and the the lights of, of Beale Street. And needless to say, Beale Street won. Here I am playing music. Yeah. Emory Riddle is certainly a, a very prestigious college. So congratulations on that education there thank you my friend talking with victor rainwright air traffic controller turned blues and boogie woogie artist and if you don't mind if this isn't too painful for you could you give us a little sample of air traffic controlling here on the y'all show (laughs) sure there's not a whole lot of it going on right now but i I, it would go something like november 2323 turn left heading 030 descend and maintain 4000 blah 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 it goes on like that (laughs) okay well i bet you you've seen more than your fair share of fedex planes if you worked at that memphis oh yeah worked at memphis center so fedex is going in and out all the time all right well again you made that transition coming to memphis the lord must have sent you to the bluff city and ultimately ultimately what was it that led you to say i think i might want to try this music thing in addition to being an air traffic controller (laughs) <laughs> well, I, even when I was down at Embry Riddle in Daytona Beach uh, going to college, I, of course, had my own little bands. Um, there was no stopping that. I had to keep playing music and congruent with go, getting my education and eventually moving to Memphis. I still wanted to have bands. I still wanted to put out music. And I was even putting out little CDs and stuff all along. So it didn't take much. Basically, what it was was scheduling. I couldn't um, stay out all night and play music and wake up on a morning early shift to do air traffic control and do my job well. So I eventually had to make a choice and music won. All right. Now you started your first, you, you've had a couple of projects here. When was your first record? If you want to call it that, when did it come out? 2005, I believe. Okay. 2005. And along the way you've done touring all over the world, I assume. Oh yeah, all over the world. Sometimes, some, on some years, we were entering up in to near three hundred traveling dates a year. Hmm. Some the majority of the year we were touring. Um, as years have gone by, and as we've done well for ourselves, we've tried to select more and more uh, premiere dates and less just on the road road dogging it. But we still tour a whole lot, about one hundred and fifty um, touring, um, about one hundred and fifty shows a year. Okay. Talking with Victor Rain- Wainwright here on today's Y'all Show. Talk with a Southern accent, and he is a blues and boogie woogie artist. Okay, Victor, most of us kind of know what a blues artist is. You're going to have to help us with this definition of boogie woogie. Boogie woogie? Oh, that's just that's easy enough. That's just basically the transition. What was right between blues and and genuine rock and roll? Guys like Jerry Lee Lewis and Little Richard and people that you've heard play a lot of piano 
obviously made piano uh, music famous in, in that regard, leading their own band. Blues uh, piano has always been an accompaniment instrument, so meaning guys like Pine Top and Otis Band and people played behind other artists like mm-hmm. Muddy Waters or Howlin' Wolf. Eventually, piano kind of came to the forefront. Um, guys like Pine Top Perkins recorded Pine Top's Boogie Boogie, or, or and it became famous. Now, even before that, though, there was a whole bunch of of, of story about Boogie Woogie being prevalent and, and rent parties and eventually in large theaters and became a thing. Um, jazz enthusiasts sort of turned their nose up at it. and and But it's always a... a slightly faster than normal pace and it's faster than a shuffle and kind of gets your mood up it kind of makes you happy and it's just it's just cool man when you hear a piano player play boogie woogie you basically hear a whole band so the left hand is playing the bass your right hand is playing syncopated rhythm sort of like a train and it, it just gets this feeling like you're listening to a, an entire band the piano has a benefit of being a percussion instrument too so you, you hear these hammers striking these these strings in a particular rhythm and a pattern and it really sort of matches your heartbeat if not speed it up a little bit and get you get you running hmm. talking with victor wayne right here on today's y'all show and i heard you mention the great pine top perkins and if you know him i bet you victor since you're a smart fella you probably are up on your blues and roots music history <laughs> i'd like to think so uh, okay so go ahead who are some of your icons the people that you have tried to you know listen to and, and maybe be inspired by well pine top surely was one otis fan is one too um but there's a lot of guys you know i wasn't just inspired by blues music i grew up listening to a lot of guys like jerry lee i sat on my dad's shoulders when i was about mm, five years old and i have a very fond memory of going to jerry lee lewis concerts um, and, um, and you live about 20 miles from him have you seen him <laughs> i have i've met and seen him multiple times okay good yeah i mean just an iconic um joyful player in my opinion really go to his shows and really feel great and i just try to emulate that a lot as well with high energy boogie woogie um what i do is a little more blues centric but you could say it's very eclectic and across the board but listen to the guys like that my grandfather also was a huge influence on me personally and also new orleans piano like mac ramanac or dr john um, those guys were big influences on my playing as well. But even more contemporary guys like John Cleary, Marsha Ball, um, David Maxwell was a big influence on me. Um, yeah, so going back and in, in far into history, um, Memphis Slim as well was a big influence on my blues piano playing. Uh, but I, there's just counts. There's just countless names I can throw out there. But those are some of the biggest ones. I'm pretty sure I'm right on this. I think. Memphis has a connection to a guy named Elvis Presley. Did he have any kind of influence on you? Well, sure, man. My my dad and grandpa loved Elvis, man. I, and I I have a, a fond memory of, of watching them react to Elvis records and, and cover Elvis songs, you know, and I would get in there and try to play some piano on it as well. I love Elvis, man. I think that he was a an amazing, amazing um, entertainer and brought a lot of joy to a lot of people. Yeah. Well, we're glad that you have this style that, really i haven't um, i'm maybe there's some out there but you have a, a unique style and you're one of our own we're claiming you since you're from savannah originally well, and come now, on let's do it and I need, that, I need more people yeah well okay we're <laughs> we're trying on that and and we're going to try even more you've been a grammy nominee we're going to get you that darn grammy award real soon right. and one way we're going to do that is through memphis loud that that is your forthcoming project that was scheduled right. for may 22nd 
and with all this virus stuff going around i'm sure you're going to tell me that that may change yeah it may change no it was believe it or not it was originally scheduled for april 24th oh and that got moved to may 22nd and there's just no telling right now we're just doing what the rest of the country is doing and that's um being responsible and trying to stay socially distant and all those things i'm not exactly on the road at the moment but we're not we're trying to do what we we can to play our part and and not get out there and draw big crowds like we normally do and and that hurts but it'll get back to normal and and we'll put out the cd and and if we and if it don't we'll put out the cd either way so people can go and enjoy all this new music we're gonna need something to listen to well this album is called victor wainwright and the train so victor if you don't mind brag on the train for a moment so those are my guys that i've been in the studio with uh for from and, and on the road with for many years now um, my, my touring band that I'm able to record. And not a lot of people can say that they tour with the same band that they record with, but the train is a very special unit of, of veteran musicians like myself. Somehow we've been able to stick together and stay on the road now for the drummer and I have been playing together for over 10 years. So we really know each other and we really respect each other and, and play off each other almost as an instinct at this point. We've been playing together for so long and it really gives something special. Also, I can bring anything to these guys and they're not scared. I can take stuff away from outside the box and bring it in, which is what we did with Memphis Loud. We just left no corner of Roots music un- unturned. So you're going to hear a lot of cool, eclectic approaches to traditional sounds, which I love twisting and turning those knobs a little bit and coming up with new ways of approaching the same music, much like Muddy Waters did when he first plugged his guitar into an amplifier. Guys like blind lemon and, and robert johnson guys that came before him they they were like what is this guy doing i mean they were sitting there still playing their acoustics muddy plugged it in amplified it like elmore james and much like bb king when he first came out with this big band and everything they, did, they were like this what is this it was something new and what i'm trying to do is the same thing i like to take traditional music and twist it a little bit to make it contemporary and new and still a whole lot of fun and still touching on all the parts your heart and soul and and your boogie woogie bone and everything else <laughs> the songs on this album are fun but you've got one i know that tugs at the heartstrings i think a little bit disappear tell me about this oh yeah amazing song that, and how you came about this well thanks man i mean that song is really uh there's a couple songs in the album disappears one of them that i really uh, all funniness aside we decided to take a serious tone with and and deliver straight from the heart and that's one of them um disappear is about loss so something that's been um a thread throughout blues history Mm -hmm. all the way from the beginning is something that everybody can relate to is loss now not a lot of people work in have worked in fields not a lot of people have suffered through the same strife that the original blues players and and those original guys titans of the blues music we can't necessarily relate to everything they were going through. Of course not, but we can relate. The one common thing is, is loss. So we decided to take that approach seriously this past, uh, well, the year before we started to write, I started to write the album and record the album. We suffered tremendous loss with the loss of Mike Ledbetter, who was a close friend of ours um, and a, and a colleague and also just icons in the world. uh, Guys like Robin Williams, these people were just disappearing and it, and it, struck me as being a tremendous loss uh, to people that I really looked up to and enjoyed even sharing stages with. And I wrote the song about 
sudden loss, which is disappear, and it ended up being titled disappear. So the song takes you through, and then by the end, it just drops out, and it does leave you feeling very moved and affected. It seems the little listening sessions we've done with uh, people that we really trust have let us know that that is a very moving, uh, moving song. This is the Y'all Show with your host, John Rawl, and we're glad that on this show we mix everything, news, food, a little political talk, so a lot of sports talk, and we've got music, and we have not only country music and rock and southern rock and more, we've got blues music, and in this case, with our very guest, special guest, Victor Rain- Wainwright, we've got blues and boogie-woogie music right here on the Y'all Show today. All right, you had a tour scheduled and promotion of the upcoming project memphis loud i'm sure that's kind of all been thrown out the window at this point what are you doing as far as keeping your fans in the loop are you doing facebook live performances like a lot of artists i am i got one scheduled for let's see i got one scheduled for friday at 9 p.m eastern on um the facebook group can't stop the blues which a few of my friends have been have been on there doing things like uh man it's just unbelievable how the community has come together and gotten online to still provide um live entertainment to all of our fans that have supported us for so long i mean i think that's what's important is that we give back during this time not necessarily even ask for anything of course our bills still have to get paid in some fashion and right now all of our work has evaporated i've watched our entire industry basically just evaporate before our eyes our entire summer schedule has been cleared almost so this is going to be the way that we're going to move forward just like a lot of artists we're going to get online and um play some music together so that we can keep our spirits high both listeners and uh, the musicians i think that musical language the back and forth language of music still has to continue across uh, the internet if nothing else and we'll receive a healing in that sort of way and like a lot of artists, I'm sure you're going to tell me, because of this sudden departure from the road, you're spending a lot of time at home and and perhaps coming up with material to write songs, hanging out, doing things you don't normally do. Yeah, you know, right now I'm trying to just take time away from everything. I'm just enjoying home time. Um, might take a camping trip soon. I, I don't really know. I mean, like most artists, we're sort of just reeling and figuring things out. I, mm-hmm. I had just put out this album, so I'm not quite writing yet again, but I might find the inspiration to jump right back in there and start writing, given enough time sitting around doing nothing. But I think right now, one of the things we could do is record live video, like you said, record ourselves playing and, and get it out there so that people can have something to watch, listen to, and be entertained. little surprise that you would tell me that you'd want to hit the road and go camping at this point, as I'm sure you've been up and down the highways and byways of the south a thousand times plus so what are the not that far of a drive for me to head to the smoky mountains from uh, memphis tennessee just just head east yeah on interstate 40 that's a good way to socially isolate (laughs) that is true although you better be careful i know the great smoky mountains i think they've closed a lot of the parks so yeah i've heard that too you might be camping out at a walmart parking lot well, I'd rather I got a tent. And I'll put it in the backyard if nothing. Oh, that's the kind of camping you're doing. Okay. What What are the the more common towns that we might see you? Are you more likely in a college town to be performing? Yeah, you know, we do draw a, a young audience because of the we do a lot of uh, jam and Americana. We stretch that blues roots out pretty far to bring in a a larger audience i think it's very important in order to keep the blues alive that we reach out as far as we can and bring people in a lot of artists talk about crossing over i always talk about 
crossing in. We need more of an audience to be listening to what we're doing while we stand firmly inside the Roots and Blues world. I think introducing people to our music and then by proxy introducing them to guys like Pine Top and Otis Fan as I talk about them in my show or as I play examples of them is a great way to have people exposed to music that they otherwise wouldn't have been exposed to. So yeah, I do play a lot of younger towns, but also play theaters and and small towns like Beverly, Massachusetts, some up and down the East Coast is where you'll find me mostly. It's hard to get over to the West Coast uh, that much, but I do go over and do the big blues bender. Seems like I've been doing that yearly and headed over to the West Coast here and there. Sacramento, we have a date later on this summer. But if you go to victorwainwright.com, you can keep track of my entire tour schedule. I'm glad you plugged that. I was just about to. We're wrapping up with Victor Wainwright, the Savannah, Georgia native, now calls Memphis and Shelby County home. And he's been kind enough to come on today's Y'all Show and give us a little taste of the forthcoming effort, Memphis Loud. And again, go to his website and you'll be kind of in the loop of what's going on with this album release. It was scheduled for May 22nd. That's probably going to move, but we'll see. Just keep going to the website and of course make sure you follow victor wainwright on all the social media outlets by the way victor gotta ask you your parents must have been ahead of the game when they named you victor you got a a name there that's out of the phonetic alphabet (laughs) that's right man they must have been ahead of the game for sure and i'm sure you said victor up there in that control tower a million times huh oh a million times it was it was always a running joke all right okay Victor, thank you for coming on today's Y'all Show. We have absolutely enjoyed talking to you, and we wish you all the best with Memphis Loud and More. Thank you so much, John. I appreciate the Y'all Show, and I really appreciate you, man. Yeah, Keep re- up the, the positivity, and we'll, we'll get right through this. All one. right, and save me some good Memphis barbecue and some tamales if you get a chance to. I'm, I'm smoking a, a barbecue butt right now, actually. <laughs> you have just moved up even further on our list of uh, cool people. Victor, there you go, brother. Victor Wainwright, everybody. This is the Y'all Show. We'll be right back with more. Stay tuned. Do you want to learn to speak a new language but don't have enough time? Then you need to try Babbel, the language learning app that you can try for free right now at babbel.com. Babbel's lessons are just 15 minutes or less, and you can go at your own pace. You'll be amazed at how easy Babbel makes it. Start your first lesson in the language of your choice for free. Just download the Babbel app or go to babbel.com now. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com. And we're back with y'all. An accent on the South is what we do each and every day. John Rawl, I am your host, and we're glad that you could join us as we're sitting at home. In some cases, absolutely nothing to do. Some of you don't even have to work, and some of you are going to get paid. In fact, if if it actually ends up happening, and I, I say if, supposedly a $2 trillion plan, and some of us are going to get checks in the mail, again, if, if it happens, if we get that money and we get our Benjamins, it will maybe be a little bit better after this coronavirus. It's a tough time. We covered some of this in the headlines in hour one, but we're back here on today's Y'all Show, hour two, to talk books. We're going to talk about uh, an up-and-coming author that's got a book called Postgate, and we have a conversation with this author. His name's John O'Connor. He is an ultra-talented lawyer, former federal prosecutor, and his book, 
he actually wrote it alongside Deep Throat, Mark Felt of the Watergate era. And Mr. Felt was Deep Throat. And John O'Connor collaborated with him on Postgate. And that interview, this legal analyst, is going to be on. And and then he also mentions, and, and we bring in today's modern coronavirus and impeachment talk into our conversation with John O'Connor. That's coming up here in today's Y'all Show as part of our Buy the Book feature where we do cover everything about the printed word. That's coming up. Also, at the end of the hour, we have an SEC report. And don't hold back, Alabama fans. It's Roll Tide. And Roll Tide, we got some news. Your head coach is saying something about this coronavirus madness he's got something to say about his football team we'll listen in to tricky nick saban also we have some alabama crimson tide basketball news some departures out of the capstone that will be passed along to you plus a georgia bulldog is going to become a georgia tech yellow jacket to hell with georgia he says and we'll let you know about that that and more SEC news coming up at the end of the hour as part of our Southeastern Conference spotlight of this here y'all show. Looking at books now. Looking at books. That's, that's a good rhyme. I need to be a rap artist one day. As we look at the printed word, we go to Kirkus Reviews. We've actually had them on before, and they do a fantastic job of giving books a little bit different, a little bit different spotlight. It's easy to go to New York Times and focus on the bestsellers, the big the big publishing companies and what they've got. It's easy to go to Amazon.com, and they do things a little bit different there because they truly look at what's selling. So the book that came out last week by, might be number one, but the Bible, which came out, oh, a couple of years ago, might be number two. So it's not just the, the real bestsellers of the more current volumes of work. It's, it's a little bit of everything. So that is what you're likely to see there at 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 amazon but kirkus reviews they do a fantastic job with their take on books and right now kirkus reviews and their website is kirkusreviews.com they've got out nine nonfiction books that will lift your spirits and we need our spirits lifted right now some of us are having a pretty difficult time some of us are ready to get back to norm and we're not able to do it we're being forced to do it and so one thing to help us at least think about something else in addition to listening and watching the y'all show of course is to go get you a good book and kirkus reviews has done just that so we're going to run through now their list of the nine books non-fiction books specifically that will lift your spirits and here we go the first book they've got is try to get lost essays on travel and place by joan frank and that's one of the nine books and i'm not going to bore you with a lot of the details of each of these books but that one is out and it came out back in uh, 20 in february 18th is when it came out just over around around a month ago and that that's out right now also you have a book out right now alice b the autobiography of alice b hopeless illustrated and that book is out and it's by gertrude stein illustrated by myra coleman and that book out it was released march 3rd so a fairly fairly new book there 
and it's one of the nine nonfiction books you can go and, and check out hey abraham lincoln's on the cover so you know it must be a good book right this one the hunt for history and i, I mean that for some of you as, as a joke the hunt for history on the trail of the world's lost treasures from the letters of lincoln churchill and einstein to the secret recordings on board jfk jfk's air force one that from nathan robb and it just came out this month the hunt for history looks like a good book it's pretty pretty big it's just around 300 pages long and scribner is the publisher of that one right there another non-fiction non-fiction book out the falcon thief was that uh, michael vick no the falcon thief a true tale of adventure treachery and the hunt for the perfect bird from joshua hammer the hammer dropped on this one this one's been out just over a month the falcon thief a true tale of adventure treachery and the hunt for the perfect bird a book that you can put on your non-fiction list another non-fiction book that will lift your spirit this is from melody mosey and the roomy prescription how an ancient mystic poet changed my modern manic life that one is out right now from tarcher piergy the book publisher of that came out in march march 3rd the actual date for that and it's out right now and those are your nine non-fiction books that will lift your spirit according to kirkus reviews again kirkusreviews.com is the site you can go to and learn more about these particular selections as kirkus is one of our companies that follows the book industry pretty pretty heavy and they've got this out something for you to maybe consider as you try to get through this coronavirus when we come back we're going to keep books going book talk continues with john o'connor he's going to be on talking about his book postgate and this is a book again where he teamed up with mark feld the deep throat guy from watergate mr feld died about 10 plus years ago but before he passed away john o'connor collaborated with him on postgate and we're going to learn about that book and we'll learn also what john o'connor has to say about the more recent variation of watergate and some of the characters from that era who popped up during the recent impeachment craziness that went on with president donald trump and that's coming up right here on the y'all show you don't want to miss it so stay tuned if you're worried about your cholesterol hear how others are taking charge with garlic my doctor said my cholesterol was borderline but i've been taking garlic and it works I've been taking garlic for years. My pharmacist recommended garlic. He said there's an ingredient in garlic that helps maintain healthy cholesterol. I take garlic every day. No garlic breath. Lots of people like you are choosing garlic to help maintain a healthy cholesterol. Garlic, it's cholesterol's natural enemy. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Use as directed. Well, look who's home. How was your day, hon? Uh, you know, stressful, exhausting. Lie down on me and we'll talk about it. Oh, Purple Mattress, you know how to support me. Hey, I'm just a mattress doing my job. You're more than that. You're a Purple Mattress. Who cares about a bed with numbers when I have your Purple Grid to comfort my body's pressure points? And forget memory foam. Your non-toxic, hyper-elastic polymer minimizes heat, keeping me cool and comfortable the whole night through. If you're happy, I'm happy. But you do have up to 100 days to return me for a full refund. And give up the best night's sleep I've had since I learned to walk? No way. 
you're the only one I want to come home to. Purple mattress. Spring into big savings with Purple Spring Sale. Get a free set of purple sheets and a plush pillow when you purchase a purple hybrid or purple premier mattress. When you text OFFER to 84888. That's keyword O-F-F-E-R to 84888. Message and data rates may apply. Please do not text and drive. See purple.com for terms and conditions. Do you want to learn to speak a new language but don't have enough time? Then you need to try Babbel, the language learning app that you can try for free right now at babbel.com. Babbel's lessons are just 15 minutes or less, and you can go at your own pace. You'll be amazed at how easy Babbel makes it. Start your first lesson in the language of your choice for free. Just download the Babbel app or go to babbel.com now. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com. And we are the Y'all Show. Talk with a Southern accent. Our website is y'all.com, Y-A-L-L.com. Y'all, the ultimate guide to the South. And you can also catch us on great radio stations across the Southland and, of course, podcast form on Apple iTunes as well as y'all.com. You can go there. Right now, we're going to go to the phone line. We've got a very special guest joining us right here on today's Y'all Show. As our next guest, John O'Connor, is a guy who knows the law. He's a former federal prosecutor, and he has a book out that ties into the Watergate era as he wrote the book Postgate, and we'll discuss that with him. But right now, welcome in to the Y'all Show, Mr. John O'Connor. John O'Connor, Esquire. Well, thank you. Thank you for that intro. Yes, and you accept. You accept. Yeah. Well, I, I was reading through your bio, John, which, by the way, you got a great first name. But I have to feel sorry for you. You're a confused fella. You went to undergrad at Notre Dame and law school at the University of Michigan. Those two things don't really mix too well. Well, they don't. They don't, except that uh, you just follow your heart. And unfortunately, as much as I'm a Wolverine fan, uh, when it comes time to Notre Dame versus uh, Michigan, uh, I think uh, I know where my heart is. And, uh, you know, so go Irish, is all I can say. <laughs> well, y'all had both had pretty good football seasons here in the last couple of years, so it's not, not too bad. Of course, we're in the South here with the y'all show, so unfortunately i think the southern teams have kind of got the best of both the wolverines and the irish but we we won't hold that against uh any of those teams john you wrote the book postgate how the washington post betrayed deep throat covered up watergate and began today's partisan advocacy journalism and i want to know the history of that book and then we'll actually tie into what's going on here in today's world with the coronavirus and such you're seeing a lot of executive authority being bounced around and i know you've got something to say about all all of that but first off what led you to go from being a lawyer where you have been very successful in your legal career to being an author of postgate well you know uh john it's it's sort of funny i represented mark felt deep throat i'd always had an interest in it since my days as a federal prosecutor figured out who he was back in 1976 and then just by chance uh found out that the fellow who I had identified, Mark Felt, was living right, not only living right near me, but that my daughter 
was very good friends with his grandson. Uh, they were going to school together. I asked if I could come up and see Deep Throat and so forth, and the fun began. And I finally talked him into coming out. Uh, but in the course of that, John, more to the point, in the course of that, I kept getting in my relationships with the post and my interactions, I kept getting my head dumped, put into the dumpster. And finally, I decided I better dive in. There was something odd and strange about their reactions to me and what I wanted to write about Watergate. And I had the, uh, and I write about it in the book is what led me to write the book. Uh, and as it turns out, Lo and behold, after I read 3,000 Watergate articles and compare them with everything that was known and knowable at the time, uh, I find that they really uh, were quite deceitful uh, and fraudulent, I would say, in their reporting of Watergate. Uh, it's not to say that Richard Nixon didn't technically commit a crime. Uh, there were fairly thin obstruction uh, cases, but, but he was guilty. But what was he covering up? The Post doesn't tell you that. The Post doesn't tell you that the, this really was not a White House campaign effort in Watergate, as everyone has thought for the last 45 years. And Nixon, therefore, was not covering up something his aides did to help him unfairly get elected. Uh, and I go into that and the amount of deceit, knowing deceit by a major media figure. Remember, the Post was the uh, had a monopoly on that coverage they were the only paper that was covering it they were local they had all the sources other people were not quick to pick up the television stations were not covering it or investigating so they had the field to themselves and when they had that field they decided they would cover up in favor of their buddies the democratic national committee the post was joined at the hip with the dnc and it, they decided to jump on a partisan side and that's where I say, John, that is where today's uh, partisan journalism started. Watergate was a case of historical fraud, a serious historical fraud where Richard Nixon didn't get a fair trial. He was guilty of crime, but should he have been removed? Well, he's far less guilty of crimes than Bill Clinton, but the context of Clinton's uh, crimes were such that the people, half the people said, no, he shouldn't go. Okay, he doesn't get removed. Nixon didn't have that chance to present his defense. And my real point is it's not just historical fraud, a big historical fraud. That reporting made – it was like the Magna Carta for today's journalists. It made them into a fourth branch of government. It made them unaccountable, and the prosecutor, judge, and jury for um, all things public. And unfortunately, part of the message was that journalists are now political players. They're political powers. Once you become a political power, you're no longer out there saying both, uh, telling both sides of the story. You're not there to tell all the facts. You don't win Pulitzer Prizes. You don't get a McMansion uh, and uh, a lot of adoring attention by telling all sides. You get a high-level scalp. And, John, so the way I compare it is this. Now it's monetized. Now if you can get that big scalp like Woodward and Bernstein did, it comes attached to a lot of money, fame, power, awards. So let's say I'm a contingent fee lawyer that's got a case and I'm going to get a 
bag of money if I can get the jury to go along with me. Let's say I can go to court without a judge or opposing counsel and just talk to the jury. Hmm. And, and I get a contingent fee on it. Am I going to tell, is human nature such that I'm going to tell the jury the other the strengths of the other guy's side? No, I'm not. I'm going to omit some facts. I'm going to leave them on the cutting room floor. And I hate to say that because we're all the same way. Everyone uh, would probably be in that situation. You wouldn't tell all the truth. And that's what we've got now. Now we've got a monolithic media that really doesn't have anybody out there uh, uh, seriously fighting them. Uh, they are, are just basically all on one side and there's no internal opposition. There's no balance. And so what do we get? We get reporting that is essentially fraudulent for the most part. When I say fraudulent, omitting key facts, ignoring facts, that's fraud in my world, in lawyer's world. Uh, the papers may not think of it that way. They may think they're just being clever. But in my world, that's fraud. The Enron people all go to jail because they omitted things from their uh, financial reports. Uh, people who omit things go to jail, except in one situation, if you're part of the media. <laughs> so uh, then I draw that line to Ukraine Gate and Russia Gate. There are examples of that where the major media, the mainstream media, left key facts on the floor so that we um, didn't get them and, and, and the public was deceived as to what was really going on. Uh, let, let me, I'm, I'm, I'm saying a lot here, John, but let me add one thing and then I'll let, let you talk. The for a floor while. is yours, but, John O'Connor. But, but let me just tell you this. I've just I've been looking at the New York Times reporting on the coronavirus. Uh, and I am sickened by the partisan slant that has to be put on this, on something where we're all in on it. Uh, you know, the virus does not distinguish between Republican, uh, Democrat, and Independent. And yet, it you know, President Trump, Trump can't do anything right. He can't do anything right. You look at the, uh, you know, he tries to reassure the public in the New York Times, there's an editorial, oh, it's, it's propaganda. It's propaganda, uh, I think Jennifer Senior said. Um, Maureen Dowd said, why can't President Trump be more like Dr. Fauci? Well, you know, he's got a different role than Dr. Fauci. You go to the Second World War, there's a great book out now about Winston Churchill's rhetoric. It saved the Western world because he, he, in a time of crisis, he was positive. He knew we had to fight, but he was positive. And the media endorsed him. When Blood, Franklin Roosevelt. Sweat and toil. That's right. We have nothing. <laughs> I can offer you nothing, but, uh, yeah, all that, you know, and, uh, and, and, and then Franklin Roosevelt, I, I don't think he was a great president, but he did instill in people confidence that we get through the Depression. We have nothing to fear but fear itself. And the media went along with him and helped uh, amplify the message, and we stayed unified through times of crisis. You look at Sunday's paper just in the Times. I just went through it to just for fun. News articles that aren't news articles. They talk, one news article says uh, this – crisis is too big for the big talk of trump he's just a guy he's just a bluffing banks and being a blustery real estate guy well 
excuse me, what's he supposed to do? He's supposed to give us hopeful rhetoric, and he's doing that. He's also measured. But my point is, is that it is not helping anyone to be partisan at this time. We can save that for later, and we can throw the big brickbats later. But this media has got their partisan jerseys on to such an extent that even when Governor Cuomo and Governor Newsom, who are partisans, are taking off their jerseys and they're trying to be uh, constructive about it because they understand how important it is. So President Trump, Governor Newsom, Governor Cuomo, they're working together and they're complimenting each other. And they're trying to give people confidence that their leaders are helping them. And therefore, the public is more likely to unify in a response and we can beat this thing and we'll do what they tell us to do. But if we have this rhetoric now that uh, it's just divisive, it's not helpful, but we have, I guess what I'm saying, John, is there are a lot of seeds of discontent sowed in Watergate and we now have a partisan media that cannot stop uh, I don't think there's a lot of intelligence coming from them. There probably never was, but we never put them in an exalted role. So when I write about this in Watergate, it's not really just about Watergate. It's about the whole ball of wax that started with Watergate. And it, it, it troubles me greatly, and it should trouble all of us. So now I've <laughs> I've I've vented John and uh, okay you can so, go take uh, your nap to monopolize now. Yeah, yeah exactly we're talking with legal analyst and author John O'Connor and the book title of his book it might be the longest book title I've ever seen Postgate do you, by the way John can you recite this thing can you do you have the whole book sure title? okay well hold, sure. hold on let, Postgate let me, sure okay go go for it. How the Washington Post betrayed Deep Throat, covered up Watergate, and began today's partisan advocacy journalism. Yes, he gets an A+. And that's the name, again, the short answer to that would be Postgate. And that's been out, and it's it's a good read. And as he said, it ties into some of this madness we've seen in the last three years with the President Trump impeachment the collusion, the uh, I've almost lost track of everything, the Mueller probe, and now I'm sure somehow or another they'll likely try to get him in on this whole coronavirus thing. I will say it had to be a little bit odd for you as a guy who was tied into the Watergate, the efforts there in the legal field of it, to see a guy named Bernstein on CNN a lot while the impeachment trial was going on. Well, you not only had Bernstein, uh, who, of course, just that was his day in the sun, but you also had John Dean talking oh, about yeah, it. Oh, yeah, I lot. forgot about him. <laughs> well, here's a guy who really led the cover up, number one, but also was involved to a great degree in the planning of the burglary. So he was the guy that started this. And um, by the way, it was unbeknownst to any of the higher ups. Nixon, Haldeman, Ehrlichman, all the big guys, Mitchell. Mitchell had nothing to do with this. He was falsely charged. The big guys didn't know about this burglary. The highest it went up, in my view, was to John Dean. Uh, That's my view of the evidence, and I think uh, many people agree with that who've really studied this. And he also led the cover-up. Each of Nixon's acts uh, that they got him on were on the advice of John Dean and in the urging of John Dean. So, uh, (laughs) you know, now he's a great expert in how uh, immoral everyone else is. And look, I 
I kind of like the guy personally, John Dean, and I, I, I'm happy that he's doing well for himself and he's making a living, so I don't begrudge him that personally. But I, I just wonder about CNN uh, thinking that this is the guy that you want to listen to for uh, truth, justice, and the American way. I'm not so sure <laughs> I, I go along with that, but we have a funny world. Well, you and meanwhile, yeah, meanwhile, we have a president that had his churlish side there's no doubt nixon had sort of a dark side but he was one heck of a president and we got rid of him and i'm not really blaming dean for this so much as i am the washington post the washington post should have reported this right they didn't and i go into it in my book and it's impossible to read my book and not say wow one of the the biggest scandal in our nation's history and it was procured by fraud Hmm. by the media one footnote to that whole the Watergate era that I want to ask about the the guy that you represented, Mark Felt. What became of him? Well, what he did was, and this is interesting, John. Uh, he left the bureau, and while he was going into the garage, but while he was at the bureau, he was the number two man in the FBI. Mm-hmm. He died in two thousand and eight at a very ripe age of I think ninety three or ninety four. Um, But while he was going into the garage with Woodward, he also saw that there was a big terrorist threat looming in America. The PLO had just slaughtered Israeli athletes at the Munich Olympics, and they were in the United States uh, plotting to kill thousands of Jewish citizens. The Weather Underground was bombing 50 buildings. They were making nail bombs to put through the flesh of young enlisted men and their dates at a dance the stuff they were doing was terrible and mark felt did what today we would call fisa searches huh. fisa was invented because of mark felt's case uh fisa is not fisa has a court to for your listeners fisa is a, is you have a fisa court and that was instituted just so that people like mark felt if they thought that there was a need for these type of warrantless searches, uh, not constitutional searches for terrorism, they could get pre-approval by a court. In the old days, before 1978, it was just a matter up to the discretion of the executive branch, the president and his delegates. Uh, And uh, Mark Felt got wrongly convicted for that. People... Uh, got very, very liberal after Watergate and thought that, well, any search uh, that's not constitutional, you should go to jail for. Well, that's not true. We're doing FISA searches today, every day, uh, and they're not constitutional searches. They're extra constitutional. They're executive branch searches not authorized by the Bill of Rights. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Yep. Abraham Lincoln came into office knowing that he could not free the slaves. You had the Dred Scott decision. In any case, you had the Fifth Amendment. Slaves were considered property. You couldn't just free the slaves without just compensation. However, once the Civil War started, Lincoln said, aha, I can now free the slaves. So he did the Emancipation Proclamation. A few of us have heard of that. Well, he only freed the slaves in areas that the Union had occupied. It didn't free them in the North. Correct. It did not free them in the four non-belligerent states where slaves were were owned. Mm -hmm. Uh, And because he didn't have a national security reason 
for freeing the slaves in those states. But my point is, is that the Bill of Rights does not constrain national security searches. If you have a terrorist organization, you don't need to wait until they've committed their act before you do something about it. It's common sense. It's protection of our country. And Mark Felt really got the shaft on this. Now, unfortunately, they remedied something that probably didn't need to be remedied because up to that point, the FBI was very cautious about when it, they did these things because they knew that if they did them wrongly, they would have to account. Then what we did by having these FISA courts, because of Mark Felt's case where he was wrongly convicted, Reagan uh, pardoned him. They started this FISA process. Well, what's the matter with the FISA process? What's the matter with it is that if you, you have a rogue agent that wants to do a search for political uh, reasons, as happened recently, you go down to some guy with black robes on that doesn't know anything about what you're doing. And all you have to do is hornswoggle him into giving you a warrant and you're protected. So that's exactly what happened. So, you know, we would all, we would all love to get our expenses approved by the by the dumbest person in the office, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and that's what happens with FISA. We're now going to somebody and we're saying, who's got black robes on saying, if you don't give us this warrant judge, the whole Western world is going to blow up. You know, we've got this guy running for president that's a Russian agent. We better do something about it. Well, of course, that guy's going to give a warrant. He's trying to do his best job. I don't blame the judge, but I do blame the rogue agents. So what we've done is, but anyway, that's Mark Felt. And Mark Felt had a profound impact on our country's history, both in terms of Watergate. Now, Mark Felt knew a lot of the facts that I talk about in my book that were never published by Woodward. For example, Mark Felt knew very well that the CIA was deeply, deeply involved in Watergate. Woodward would not, and Bernstein and the Post would not report what Deep Throat knew about the CIA. Why? Because it would also point to the DNC and their activities, uh, and they didn't want uh, the DNC and the CIA were protected in Watergate is my really my thesis. Mark Felt knew it. Uh, so you can talk about how anonymous sources might lie to reporters. But more important is, are reporters really fully telling the public what their anonymous sources are telling them? And in my thesis, Mark Felt knew a lot more than the Post published. And uh, he was a great hero. He was very straight. He wasn't out to get Nixon. He wasn't doing that. He was just wanted to make sure that the Bureau's um, investigation was not obstructed. And that's why he went to Woodward, just so he could get a blast in the press so that the um, investigation would not be prematurely closed. Now, he didn't have any idea what would happen after that point and all the different things that came out of it. But that wasn't his intention. His intention was not to get rid of President Nixon. A lot of people think that, uh, but it's just not so. He was quite a patriot. Uh, I loved, I, I got to know him in his later years. And there's nothing more he liked than singing the Star Spangled Banner or America the Beautiful. He's a great guy. He loved the Bureau. He loved the Bureau and uh, our system of justice down to his bones. 
We are wrapping up our conversation with legal analyst and author John O'Connor here on today's Y'all Show. And he wrote the book that we've been talking about, Postgate. And, John, as we wrap up our conversation with you, I want to quickly get your take on, as you talk about some of this abuse in the past, I want to get your take on what's going on right now with the coronavirus. We've seen governors who've mandated these issues where they have to, you have to stay in your house, you have to stay quarantined, all these other issues going on like that. And I want to ask, is the federal government or local governments, are they usurping the First Amendment and other rights people have by doing these powers? Well, here's what I would say. There was a song the Chambers Brothers uh, came out, Time time Has Come Today. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, time is everything. I think emergency measures are fine as long as they are limited. Where the rubber's going to meet the road, John, is what happens if 30 days down the line we still uh, cannot uh, practice our professions if a contractor can't go out there and build a house if a restaurateur can't open his doors uh, now i think you're talking about a taking i think you're talking about the fifth amendment which says the government can't take your property without due process or without just compensation i think that's the issue and uh the government has a lot of emergency police powers. Uh, I, I, I'm willing to uh, be a good soldier here for a while, but after a point, I just um, I just think we face serious, serious constitutional issues. So my main hope here is that we're playing a game of beat the clock, that we can get uh, medicines out there and treatment so that at least to some extent, people can go out there with appropriate precautions and social distancing and do their jobs and get back to work because the other half of this is i'm not so sure who pays for this you say the government's going to pay for it well we're all going to pay for this we're all in it together and we're just all piling up debt uh, on each other if we continue to stay in our house now for right now Hopefully, uh, by flattening out the pandemic, by uh, giving uh, our industry time to get medicines and treatment, masks and test kits, uh, we can save money uh, in treatment. We can save money that way. So I do think it's a question of degree and of time. Uh, But, uh, you know, during the San Francisco earthquake, uh, they went. They started blowing up houses. They exploded houses, and a court decision said that's just fine. The government can do that. It was an it was an emergency. The city was burning. You have the power to do it. Uh, that's limited. You can't go around and blow up houses all the time. Yeah. It better be. It better be World War Three. You know. It better be. So I, I, I think John, I, I would say everything is qualified and limited. There are no absolutes, but at a certain point here, I think the Constitution is going to go to shreds, <laughs> and I don't know what we do about it. Frankly, I just think it's it's it's, it's very ominous to me. Let's hope it doesn't get that far. And if it does, or if if, if this continues, John O'Connor, this may provide you plenty of material for another book. So you'll have to get after it. There may be. <laughs> Again, thank well, you John, for coming on the Y'all Show, and we appreciate your book and for your time here talking about the Watergate and more. Call me anytime, John. All right. Take care. John All right, O'Connor. See you now. All right. Thank you very much. More of the Y'all Show will continue right after this. Don't you go anywhere.
If you're worried about your cholesterol, hear how others are taking charge with garlic. My doctor said my cholesterol was borderline, but I've been taking garlic and it works. I've been taking garlic for years. My pharmacist recommended garlic. He said there's an ingredient in garlic that helps maintain healthy cholesterol. I take garlic every day. No garlic breath. Lots of people like you are choosing garlic to help maintain a healthy cholesterol. Garlic, it's cholesterol's natural enemy. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Use as directed. The Y'all Show is back for the final segment. Talk with a southern accent. That's what we do. And yeah, roll tide, Alabama Crimson Tide fans. We've got some tide stories that we're going to pass along as part of this, our SEC Spotlight, wrapping up today's Y'all program. 803-816-1170 is our telly. If you want to reach out to us 24-7, that's the number to do so. And of course, you can find us normally right here at the Y'all Show at y'all.com is our website address and now we're on facebook big time check out the y'all.com facebook page and we're also brand new got a y'all show facebook page go there and we encourage you on both of those options to join our movement there all you got to do is hit those buttons and you'll be set up to to join the program each and every day All right, let's dive into SEC talk now, and we'll go to the capstone, the University of Alabama, to be specific. And we know now that Alabama's Nick Saban's got something to say about the coronavirus, as the coach released a video on Tuesday that is similar to what his predecessor, not predecessor, well, his successor is the best word, to national championships, and that would be Ed Orgeron. Remember Ed O, Coach O, was the first college football coach that I'm aware of that put out some kind of sort of public service announcement about COVID-19. And now Nick Saban is getting into the fun. He encouraged fans to be like his players, stay safe, follow social distancing from the coronavirus pandemic. Coach Saban said together, we look forward to all that's to come, like the opportunity to play college football this fall. But the best and safest way to ensure that happens is to listen to the experts, follow their guidelines, and take care of each other. Now, we haven't seen or heard from Coach Nick Saban since the outbreak of the coronavirus started. He said the coaching staff at Alabama has returned to work but is doing so from home. Alabama has moved their classes online and all organized athletic activities at Alabama, as well as most colleges, frankly, have been suspended. And that is not going to change. I don't think Alabama is going to report back at all this spring. Now, the SEC canceled all athletic events right now up until April 15th. I, I think it's safe to say that we're not going to see any more SEC spring sports, spring football. That That's actually official there on that statement. But Alabama trying to rebound from what most would say was a tough Alabama football season, losing to LSU and then losing to Auburn, for goodness sake, and then just seeing a rival from the West, the Tigers of LSU, win the national championship, that that had to be so painful for you, Crimson Tide fans. I, 
Do I need to send a bouquet of orange and navy flowers your way or purple and gold flowers? I might just do that. One departure from Nick Saban's program is Tua Tagviola, and he put a video out this week showing him throwing a football ahead of the forthcoming NFL draft. Now, when that draft occurs is anybody's guess, but Tua looked mighty good throwing that ball, spinning it around when he had his workout as his season ended at Alabama in November when he was hurt at that game at Mississippi State as he sustained a posterior wall fracture and dislocated hip and he has done a good job in recovery from that. Now, Tua is expected to be a top-five pick in the NFL draft if it indeed is held in April. Most people think it's going to get pushed back to May at least. ESPN's Mel Kuyper Jr. projects Tua to go at number five to the Miami Dolphins. Oddly enough, Nick Saban's old employer. But yeah, Tua Tuckviola, who I look, looked at this video, I watched it, I couldn't figure out where he was throwing footballs. Remember, he's a guy who grew up in Hawaii. His parents have moved to Alabama. I don't know if he's at a special sort of clinic to learn how to throw the football and and be an NFL quarterback more than other people. But uh, in this particular video, he looks looks good there on his official Twitter account, Tua Tagvola. Good job, and young man, we wish you all the best from right here at the Y'all Show. Now, let's move over to the Alabama basketball program as Kyra Lewis, who's expected to be the number 25 prospect in the upcoming NBA draft, is leaving the Crimson Tide basketball program. And he joins his fellow Crimson Tide teammate, John Petty, both announced that they're going to be going into this NBA draft as Lewis certainly has an opportunity to find a landing spot with some NBA team. Mr. Petty? You might be a little petty in your choice to go to the NBA draft so far. Now, Lewis was a first-team All-SEC selection. He averaged 18.5 points per game, 5.2 assists, and had nearly two steals a game. And again, ranked in the ESPN number 25 position in the top 100 prospect ratings. Petty was named second-team All-SEC after he got 14.5 points per game, 6.6 rebounds. So maybe maybe they know what they're talking about here when they... Both say that they want to go play in the association. We wish them well there, but some certain departures that will be missed by an Alabama basketball program that I know it seems like a million years now, the regular season of SEC basketball, but Alabama had a chance to go to the big dance. They really did. I, I know their chance of getting an automatic berth was was a little bit iffy, real iffy, to be honest. But they had a chance to do well in the SEC tournament in Nashville. They had a chance to win the darn thing, and and they could have done it and punched their ticket. So a, a very good year for Alabama basketball, so much so that you're seeing two alums out of that program have the opportunity to take their talent to the association and be NBA players, perhaps. It doesn't happen every day for Alabama basketball, although it did happen to a guy named Latrell Sprewell. How about my Alabama basketball knowledge coming through here on today's Y'all's Foot Show? That was one of the best Crimson Tide players ever, maybe the best player. All right, let's talk about more SEC basketball information as Georgia is losing a former center for that program, Rodney Howard. He is leaving the Georgia basketball program. Coach Tom Cream's losing this player to 
not the association. He's losing them to the Institute as Rodney Howard is leaving the University of Georgia to go to Georgia Tech. In fact, he announced his plans via Twitter this week. He posted an image of himself in a Georgia Tech uniform, and it included the message, Beyond Blessed, Next Chapter, and he included the Georgia Tech slogan, Together We Swarm. All that in that post, so yeah. That's not going to sit too well when he plays the Georgia Bulldogs in the upcoming season. Now, he is a native of Yusplanty, Michigan, and entered the transfer portal earlier. He averaged a whopping 1.3 points per game in 24 games for Coach Tom Crean there at Georgia. Georgia had a rough season. However, just like Alabama, Georgia actually had the opportunity to go to to the big dance because... On that very first day of the SEC tournament, remember, Georgia looked like national champions when they beat the Mississippi Land Sharks there at Bridgestone Arena in Nashville. And that's the first. Remember, it was a Georgia Bulldog team that was embattled back in the last SEC tournament that got shut down or uh, completely adjusted. And that was, what, the 2007 SEC tournament in Atlanta where the tornado messed up the Georgia Dome and Georgia, which was the worst team in the SEC that year, came through that tournament and went over to the Alexander Memorial Coliseum on the Georgia Tech campus and won the SEC tournament and went to the NCAA tournament. And this year, on that Wednesday of this year's tournament, Coach Crean's Bulldogs won that game in their opening game against Kermit Davis's Sharks. And they could have kept on winning and gone and gotten a SEC invite to the NCAA tournament. Probably not going to, that probably wasn't going to happen, but it could have happened. And so a real interesting connection between that tornado team of the 2000s and this coronavirus team that ended up, unfortunately for this team this year, they didn't have that opportunity to keep playing as the whole tournament and the whole NCAA tournament shut down as a result of COVID-19. But again, this center for Coach Crean, Rodney Howard, moving from Athens in Clark County to a place called Atlanta in Fulton County. And we told you about this earlier in the week on the Y'all Show. Our thoughts go out to the family of David Edwards. And he's a young man who played in the SEC prior to the Aggies joining the Southeastern Conference. In fact, he was around 50 years old. He's not really a young man, but he was a young man when he played at that the at that then the Southwest Conference, which the Aggies were a part of. And he has died from the coronavirus as he played again back in the early 90s of Texas A&M. He was a New Yorker, and he started his collegiate career at Georgetown before moving on to Texas A&M in the 1991-92 season. He averaged 13.5 points per game. assists and 4.9 rebounds. And as a senior, he led the Southwest Conference with 8.8 assists per game and had a a very good time there in Aggieland. A three-time All-Southwest Conference player. He's one of six players in Division I history to record a triple-double in consecutive games, doing that back in the 1994 season. And again, this former Aggie, at the time a Southwest Conference member institution when he played for him, David Edwards passing away this week. And he was right around 48 years old. I don't have his exact age in front of me, but he died from the coronavirus, sadly. 
And that is our SEC report. And that will also wrap up our y'all show today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. We have enjoyed being on this, the y'all show talk with a Southern accent. And we'll be right back here on our Friday edition to get you ready for the weekend. And we'll have from Dixie would love a quick look at some of the movies. If, if any movies are actually coming out, And we'll have a lot of fun also headed your way on the Friday Y'all Show. So until that time, thank you for listening and watching Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent so long. Do you want to learn to speak a new language but don't have enough time? then you need to try Babbel, the language learning app that you can try for free right now at babbel.com. Babbel's lessons are just 15 minutes or less, and you can go at your own pace. You'll be amazed at how easy Babbel makes it. Start your first lesson in the language of your choice for free. Just download the Babbel app or go to babbel.com now. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com.